Welcome into the Gunpowders Podcast, episode 66. Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell here with you tonight. Um, got a lot, got a lot of stuff to go over. Alabama's now had two fall scrimmages. Um, their final tune-ups before the uh the preparation of week one versus Utah State next Saturday. Um, just occurred this past Saturday in Bryant Denny Stadium. There's a lot of notes that came out on the message boards. Um <clears throat> and um so we'll go over some of those. Uh, Auburn's quarterback situation, what's going on on the Plains. We haven't touched on Auburn in a while. So uh, we'll be sure to do that. Guys, what's been going on, man? What y'all been up to? Not a whole lot. Just hanging out, working, living life, I guess. Watching some Rays baseball. Yeah, unfortunately, <clears throat> baseball season has ended for me. I, uh, you know, one thing my dad always talked about, and I – kind of live by the same thing. I just asked the Red Sox, just get me through the summer. Just get me to football season. Be a watchable team. That's all I ask for. I don't ask you to go undefeated, you know, like Lester wants the Braves to do. I mean, I don't have unrealistic expectations. Don't be in the gutter. And don't just be so unwatchable that I don't even want to. I love watching baseball. I'm a baseball fanatic, just like Lester, just like Bill. I can watch it every single night, um, but when your team is so bad, it's so frustrating uh, that you can't even cut on the TV and watch them because they're not enjoyable to watch. So the Red Sox have did me in for about a month here. Um, at least the Yankees are struggling right now. Hopefully they don't win the World Series. That's about all I can hope for right now. Anybody but the Yankees, I don't care. I don't care if it's the Dodgers, the Astros. I, I don't care. Anybody but the Yankees. But uh, so yeah, Lester, you're you're lucky. Um, Jayla, I know you're not a huge baseball guy, but you do follow the Rays, so they're still playing good ball. They're not in last place, at least, thanks to the Red Sox. But um, yeah, uh, Jayla, you know, you saw you're on the message boards now. You saw the notes. What is the one thing that you want to cover first? What was the one thing that jumped out at you whenever you saw, whether it be stats or? maybe a guy at a certain position that you didn't think of. There's a couple for me that I was a little surprised by. Um, what is the what, the first thing that, that jumps off the page whenever you, you read that stuff on the message boards about the, the second scrimmage? Well, I, I, I really thought that Cohen – and I don't want to talk offensive line all day again. But I really thought that Cohen by second scrimmage would be back, you know, started every game last year at left guard, I think. Doesn't really have any con- – what we thought was no competition at the spot. And two scrimmages in, Kendall Randolph is still playing it. Um, people on message boards saying that there wasn't much of a drop-off, if any, like they couldn't tell. So, you know, I think that was one of the big things, like is is Cohen focused on something else other than football? And at Alabama, uh, football is the most important thing. Or number two is Kendall Randolph actually playing guard like he was supposed to play coming out of high school. So that that's something I'm looking at. Battle, not – you would have thought his leg was amputated last Thursday or last Wednesday, but he's back at the scrimmage, so that was good. And just overall, man, just the emergence of, of Kobe Prentice. And we can break all this down, but we've been waiting on one of the freshman wide receivers to step up for the last two years. And I don't think anybody had their money on Kobe Prentice. Um, mine was on Shaz. A lot of people's was on Aaron Anderson. Um, Aaron's hurt. Shaz is like fourth string. And then now Kobe Prentice steps up. And he was a stud at Calera. Wasn't in the best offense. But, man, this guy jumped up from like number 450 overall to a top 75 overall player. 
And it uh, looks like he's going to be one of the first four out on the field for Alabama. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, Lester, let's start in the trenches with this Kendall Randolph thing. The first thing I, I think of whenever I hear about this, and, and you know, they say that Cohen, it's not like he's doing a bad job with the second team. He's still a very good player, but he had to miss some time away from the team. You know, we always talk about – or we always hear Nick Saban talking about mental health. He, he was one of the first guys to, like, really work, like, psychiatrists into his program – you know, trying to make sure that his guys were in the best mental state possible 24-7. So this guy comes to Coach Saban or comes to somebody and says, look, I've, I've got some stuff going on, and I don't know when this occurred. I don't know how long he was in rehab. I don't know what his rehab can, entailed. I don't know if he was in and out. I don't know if he was in there for three weeks straight or whatever, but – so he he makes it – he goes to Saban or to whoever and says, hey, I got some problems. I need to, you know, do some, do some self-checking. I need to check myself into this place. And as a result of that, he loses his starting job. I, I don't think it's it's way out there to say that if he never checked into rehab or never took time away from the program – that Kendall Randolph would have taken his starting job. I think that's pretty safe to say. So, Lester, what do you think on that? And it might not be something that you've thought of, but it's something that I thought of on Saturday. I was like, you know, this guy did what he's supposed to do in that regard of getting himself right. He felt something was off. You know, he didn't do it during the season. He did it in a time where, you know, summer workouts, whatever it was, he didn't miss spring. So, as a result, he loses his starting job, and it could possibly go into the season. I'm not sure. I, I would assume right now Kendall Randolph will take the first snap against Utah State and let his performance, you know, determine whether he's going to lose a job at Tacoma or not. So, Lester, what do you think of that take? Do you think that that's something that should be going on? Um, I, I just think that Saban is just an old-school coach, and he's just going to make you earn it. Um. For whatever reasons, yeah, he took time away from the team, and he probably thinks, no, you should not just automatically get your spot back from a guy who's been in Tuscaloosa grinding it out all summer long, you know. But what um, do you think? I, 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 don't, I don't think that's a bad thing either. I think it's a good thing. Make him earn his spot back. You have Utah State. Um, Texas is going to be a, a, a big game, challenging game. But I don't think him being out, you know, or not starting those two teams is going to be like a deal breaker. You know what I mean? Make the guy bust his ass and earn his spot. And now you got Kendall Randolph, you're building depth with that guy. He's getting valuable experience, even though he's been here five years. Yeah. I I, I think it's a two prong, you know, approach to it. And I, I don't think either option are bad right now. Well, let me tell you this. I talked to somebody that was at the scrimmage. They said, now, obviously, this isn't true, but they said compared to Steen and to Dalcourt, Randolph looks 220 pounds, super-duper skinny. Now, in reality, it's probably, what, 265, 270? Now, you can get away with that against Utah State. Texas D-line is not very good. I think Alabama might run for 300 yards that game. I think that'll be uh, an emphasis for the offense is to run the ball, especially you know being on the road, like communication, stuff like that. 
it's easier to just line up and run. Texas defensive line is not great. They are prototypical Big 12 defensive line. They're small up front. So Randolph, I think, will be able to hold his own in the first two games. But you put this dude in the trenches against Texas A&M, he's not going to have a shot. Like, And I know that's way down the line. And, you know, trying to think like Nick Saban does, he tends to, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, in reality, you're going to have to have a bigger body, and especially a guy like J-Law said that started 14 or 15 games for you last season. I mean, he went wire to wire at that left guard spot and did fairly well. And uh, and so, J-Law, what do, you, what do you think about this whole situation with – I want your take on, you know, him doing what he needed to do to get himself right. But, you know, as a result of that, losing his starting job, at least for the time being. And uh, and and do you think that, you know, even if Randolph does well the first three or four games of the season, by the time you get to the beef of that SEC schedule and you're facing these legit SEC interior defensive linemen, Randolph's not going to be able to do it. He's too skinny. Yeah, and I think this is another um... – Slade Bolden type of incident where he probably is the next guy up. Cohen didn't do anything wrong to lose his job, but this is just the nature of the beast. I mean, you can, you can say what you want to, but but if you're going to miss summer workouts and if you're going to not be available to the team, it's not a punishment, but it is a consequence. And there's, there's tons of consequences and, Cohen not being there during this time is showing it because we know Cohen is a better player than Kendall Randolph. You know it. Lester knows it. I know it. Kendall Randolph, how many guys have been, what is this, fifth-year seniors? Is he a sixth-year senior? I mean, like – He could be, yeah. I mean, how many guys at Alabama have been there five years and actually been good? Very few. Now, I'm not saying he can't blossom – um, some guys have started their junior year and came back for their senior year because there was a lot of talent in front of them. But if Kendall Randolph couldn't start on last year's offensive line somewhere, tackle, guard, anywhere, I just don't think that um, he's better than Javion Cohen this year, especially when Javion Cohen started over him next year or last year. But Kendall Randolph's going to have his time. The play is going to show on the field. Um, the same reason why Cam Lobtu is playing tight end as opposed to Kendall Randolph playing tight end last year. Um, it's just because he's going to let it play out. Saban's going to let it play out. You're going to see the talent on the field, and Cohen will be back in. That's if Cohen is focused on football. Nobody can blame Cohen for being focused on other stuff, especially in mental health, whatever, whatever's going on there. But if you're going to play, you got to be focused on football. So um, I think we should be worried if Kendall Randolph is – in what week four when the SEC um, schedule opens up, I think we should be worried at that point if if Cohen is not back at left guard, um, you know, and, and if he's and you're right, if Kendall Randolph is at left guard when we start playing uh, Texas A&M and get into the beef of the SEC schedule, I think you're going to see the offensive line lag behind a little bit because Cohen started those games last year for a reason. Uh, I think it's just, just a matter of time before he's back in that spot. Well, my take on it, I think it's wrong. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. I don't agree with this um, because, number one, uh, if it's Bryce Young, he's starting. You're not going to start Jalen Milrow against Utah State and Texas. And another thing that's worrisome is that 
Cohen didn't take any first team reps on Saturday. That's another thing. He, it's not like they split time or even a 70 30 with Randolph. Randolph took every single first team snap with the first team offensive line. So he's not even getting a chance. I disagree with this wholeheartedly. I think that if it's somebody at another position, um, then it's not treated that way. And so I think this is – and you see this. This isn't just a Nick Saban thing. You see this with everybody. I mean, we're going to talk about T.J. Finley a little bit. The dude gets arrested, and he gets no punishment. Yeah, he probably had to run some stadium steps, but he's not going to miss any time in the season because he's the starting quarterback. And uh, and so, yeah, I think if it's Bryce Young, I think if it's Jermaine Burton or Jameer Gibbs, I think they're slotted right back into that starting role. Maybe not the first scrimmage, but I think by the second scrimmage, then they're – then they're slotted back in. Because like I said, I mean, nothing stood out in the scrimmage to make you say, yeah, you know, Cohen. And, and the I think the worst thing that could happen, just like you were talking about, is that Randolph doesn't do anything to lose the starting job. That he's not great, but he's very average. And I think that's what you're going to get. If you ask me right now, then – I, I, I would think that Randolph would not struggle the first three games of the season. I don't predict him struggling. And so, but yeah, once you get into the heart of that SEC schedule, and you have to go up against LSU and Texas A&M and, you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, all, all these guys, they have SEC caliber interior defensive linemen. And if Randolph's sitting there at 260, 265, he's going to get pushed around like no other. So, uh, but anyway, Moving on from that, we'll, we'll talk about the receivers a little bit, skill position. Um, first three out were Jermaine Burton, um, Kobe Prentice, and uh, Treshawn Holden. Holden is a name that we've kind of been iffy on. We're not really sure. You know, it's you know we all had this this image or this uh, this thought process being Alabama fans that if you're here for your fourth year and you haven't been on the field, then you're obviously not good, you know, because it's such a factory an NFL factory of, you know, guys going pro and like you, like you just said, J law guys will start their junior year, then come back. Um, if they maybe don't win a natty or feel like they have something to prove, increase draft talk or whatever, but same thing with what you said about Randolph, not being able to start on the offensive line last year, a Holden cannot play over Slade Bolden. I had a problem with that. And so I did not slate him to step in and be a main contributor, but he's going to start week one. Um, so talk about him for a second. And, uh, you know, they, <clears throat> they're saying he had a big, a big scrimmage. He had two or three touchdown catches. Uh, he beat Terry on Arnold. He beat Kool-Aid. Um, he made, he showed a good agility. He showed good breakaway speed, showed good route running. I mean, do you think this guy possibly has turned a corner this year? Could have a big season for us. Yeah, you know, you're right. I was worried. When you when you start talking about Slate, anybody that Slade Bolden played over last year other than Ja'Cory Brooks, like I really worried about just because Brooks is your five-star, number 27 overall, you know, 6'3", has the size, has the speed. Like, not really worried about him because he was the next guy on the field. But the other guys that were left last year, whether it be Leary, whether it was a Jai Hall, whether, I mean, the rest of the crew, Treshawn Holden, Tyu Jones-Bell, um, Baker uh, that left. I mean, those were the guys that you were a little worried about that, man, dude, if they can't play over Slade Bolden, when are they going to play? And so when we got, when you're on the message boards during the game, during the scrimmage and you're seeing, 
man, Trayson Holden's going off and Kobe Prentice is going off. Like, it, it did a switch flip for Trayson Holden? Did he get that many reps in with Bryce this summer? We both know they're West Coast guys. They they they've known each other for a long time, and maybe Trayson Holden just needed a a you know a, a glimmer to to jump through with with Harold being out. With JoJo Earl going down, he saw his chance to really make a difference. And um, listen, if he's going to come out and produce, produce. Like, I have no problem with anybody. I'm not going to sleep on anyone if they can come out and produce. But so far, when Trayshawn Holt has been on the field, he really hasn't produced. And even in the natty, he wasn't even the go-to guy. They threw out uh, some more freshmen. So, um, you know, I, I like Holden, but the lights aren't on yet. Remember we were in love with Blake Barnett. Like, oh, he's coming out against USC. The lights come on, you're the guy, and you can't get it on. We've seen that for with a tons of five stars that have come to Alabama. The lights come on, you you can't get it done. There's somebody else to step up. So that's the best part about Alabama's receiver room, whether it's Burton, Harrell, Brooks, whether it's Prentice, whether it's Bond, it doesn't matter. Um, if the lights don't come on, when the lights come on and Tristan Holton can't do it, somebody's going to be waiting in, in the wings right there. And when we, our first four are Harrell, excuse me, Burton, Brooks, Holden, and right now Princess. I think that's as good as any first four in the SEC, especially Jermaine Burton already coming in as a wide receiver one. But I think a lot of those other guys are interchangeable. And as the season goes on, I think one of the biggest keys to this year is you have to get the second string guys or the guys that trot out there second at the skill positions. You you have to give those guys some reps because you cannot roll into the end of the year like last year and none of those guys have any reps. So it's good to see the depth. It's good to see that Sabins was, was really excited about those guys in his post-scrimmage press conference. Yeah, it goes back to um, what we've talked about for years with uh, Saban sitting on the ball in the second half and blowouts and not letting your backups throw. Um, I think that has something to do with it. And, you know, th there's – there's more than just getting in blocking reps. You know, you've got to get them in route combinations. you got to get them catching the ball, getting a feel for the speed of the game. And even if it's in a blowout against a small team, it doesn't matter. Anything's going to help. And I think that really hurt us last year because I think, you know, even in 20 – what was it, 17? Two his freshman year. I think we went back and looked, and that dude would come in – up 42 to seven and throw the ball all over the place. And, um, you know, it seemed in 2020, you know, Sark really didn't even let Bryce do it that throw that much whenever he came in the game. And Bill O'Brien did the same thing last year. Um, but, uh, Kobe Prentice, Lester, I mean, this is a guy from Calera, Alabama, who I'm not sure. I, I, I don't, want to be quoted on this, but I, well, J-Law, was he like 250 overall or something like that when he committed? Or was he worse? Yeah, way down the list. I think he might have been a little lower. But I mean, last year's was such a stacked wide receiver recruiting class that, like, even if you were 250, you might have been, like, the 35th best wide receiver yeah. overall. So, yeah, he was very much slept on early. Yeah, Lester, this this dude was committed to Mike Loxley at Maryland. And uh, Saban saw some film, saw some speed, and he's like, you know, hey – Let's, let's get this guy a shot. And he he decommitted from Maryland, commits to Alabama. And, of course, you know, he's going to get the Bama bump. But he got multiple. This dude finishes a top 80 overall player. And, uh, I, I, you know, you forget that when you've got guys like Isaiah Bond, Kendrick Law, um, all coming in. And Shaz Preston, you know, another stats receiver group for the second consecutive year. And, um, 
And, and so Saban really liked this guy, and he's he's blossoming right now. I mean, he took control after the first scrimmage. He he got, he got a shot in the second scrimmage with the with the starting group, and um, and he capitalized on it. Probably six seven catches. I mean, he was looked too early and often. Bryce didn't hesitate in throwing him the ball. He's sure-handed. He can get open. He's got speed. Not great size. I mean, he's not a 220-pound guy, but, I mean, he's just one of those small receivers that can just run by you and, and has really good feet, really good hips. Um, so, Lester, what do you think about Kobe Prentice making a name for himself, you know, after being, I guess, Alabama's lowest-rated recruit last year, even though he was still a top-80 player, just one of those, like J-Law said, that you just kind of forgot about? I love it. I love it. Um, going back into, you know, comments about, you know, the receiving core and, and the depth that we lacked and stuff from last year. I really think that Judy, Rugg, Smitty, Waddle, those guys coming in so early and dominating kind of skewed our expectations as to what freshman wide receivers or young receivers should do at Alabama. Um, now, I think that there's a happy medium between those four legendary Bama wide receivers and the abomination of the young guys that we had from last year. Um, not saying that you have to come in and dominate, but you have to come in and contribute. That's for, that's for dang sure. And I'm so glad that, you know, there is – you know, there may not be four, but there is one guy who's a young guy who is stepping up and doing that. You know, and I don't I don't know much about Prentice, but you said he's from Calera. Um, and I like that. We've often talked about guys, uh, you know, because Bama recruits, you know, they show out, you know, um or further, um, clearly. But we always talk about, you know, the lack of Bama guys that come that are recruited and come to Alabama. But this guy here from Calera, you know, he just may be one of those guys who loves Alabama. Grew up a Bama fan, you know, always wanted to be here. He has his shot, and he's going to take pride in that. You know what I mean? I, and I think that means something. I believe that the guy's going to be a fan favorite. Um, he's he's going to be like a Brian Robinson. He did not want Alabama to lose. So I, I love it, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing this kid, you know, do really, really good things. Yeah, and yeah, um, so he's a consensus top 89 player, and on three had him as their fifth best wide receiver in last year's class when it all ended. So in their database, he was number 38 overall and the second best player in the state. So this is a guy that shot up the boards, and um, Henry Ruggs-type speed, maybe not that fast, <laughs> but he he can fly, so – you know, um, I think that's something everybody's going to be excited about. And everybody's thinking that it had to be Harold to be the burner. Well, Kobe Princess was just in an offense at Calera that I'm familiar with. Um, they threw the ball. I mean, if he got by everybody, they'd hit him. But it wasn't really just set up for your five-star wide receiver to go make all the plays. I, I really think if this guy can continue his growth, it will be kind of like 2017 where – you were already throwing to Devontae and Judy and Ruggs like at the end of that year where Tua came in to win the Natty. Like Kobe Prentice could be that type of guy with some actual veteran leadership with Holden and Burton. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I think that that's a little underrated too. What you just said is that he's not having to be surrounded by a couple of sophomores, a couple of freshmen. You know, he's got some veteran guys that will draw attention away from him. I think that's huge for a freshman. And uh, which is a little surprising last year that, 
you know, Jacory or Ajay or whoever, Leary couldn't really break into the the starting group there and it continued to be Slade Bolden because you can cover Slade with the linebacker. He's not fast enough. Um, you can't do it with this guy. Uh, you know, that that third receiver, because Bill O'Brien, I'm telling you right now, he's gonna run a tight end. We're about to talk about talk about the tight ends in a second, but our tight ends suck. And that is an overstatement. That's a highball compliment for them. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. But Bill O'Brien, he's gonna run the he's gonna run the tight end. Um, just about every formation I heard that they ran on Saturday, tight end was in there. Whether it was four wide, you know, unless unless except for when they went two minutes and they went, you know, legit four wide or five wide. But you know, tight end's gonna be in there. He would split them out into the slot. Just he that's a little part of the NFL that's probably always gonna be with him. He's gonna have the tight end on the field. So you know, Jaleel Skinner going to Miami kind of hurts us. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do think it, it helps him being surrounded, Kobe being surrounded by, uh, by Burton and by Holden, and hopefully they can draw attention away from him so he can get some one-on-one matchups in the slot, which, I, which is where I think he's going to play, um, get, get a matchup on a safety, on a linebacker, and, and beat some man-to-man coverage. But uh, <clears throat> let's go to the tight ends. Robbie Oots, terrible last name. Uh, first one on the field, followed by Miles Kitzelman. Sounds like he's going to sit down and do your taxes. Um, and Danny Lewis. Boy, these guys are bad. And I and I know Landon's going to – he's going to joke on me. I'm getting a little J-Law. I'm being a little – pessimistic about a tight end situation it's easy to now oots is a fine blocker i will say that he i don't think he's going to have an issue blocking he's thick he is not very tall um he's got a low center of gravity he's he will be fine in the run game but i'm just such a big believer in getting your best athletes on the field in certain situations. And like I was just talking about seeing him split out to the slot just really makes me sick. And because whenever he runs out for a pass route, he's like Slade Bolden. You don't have to cover him tight. If he catches the ball four yards, just go tackle him. He's not getting more than five. Okay. And, and so the Lester, let's talk about these tight ends, man. And just, how bad they are. I think I sent y'all what they were rated out of high school. I think were they all in the 600s? I mean, the best recruiter in the history of college football cannot get a tight end to save his life. You got Cam Latu, who's a fine tight end, but he's a, he was a defensive end or a linebacker coming out of high school. He had to be, you know, brought over to the offensive side of the ball and developed. Uh, you know, Herb Smith, OJ Howard, outside of that, nobody at tight end. And uh, if you don't think a good tight end can win you a game, look at what Brock Bowers did for Georgia last year, caught 15 touchdowns. Um, So, Lester, when you hear about the tight ends that we have until Cam Latu comes back, which Nick Saban did say should be week two against Texas, thankfully. So, thankfully, when we have to go one week watching Robbie Oots play against Utah State, but, you know, when Cam comes back, is he going to be in game shape? You know, all that stuff. Talk about the tight ends, Lester, and what you, what kind of production you think you'll get out of them this year. 
Yeah, it's kind of frustrating um, with our tight end situation. We were kind of, we were, I think all of us was, we were legit upset a little bit when Latu got hurt because we knew that everybody behind them kind of sucked. Um, but like you were mentioning between Irv and OJ, I, I think I've said before, a great tight end is probably the biggest matchup you can have on a football field. Because that guy, that elite athlete, that elite tight end, is typically always matched up on a linebacker or a safety. And here we are, the best team in the country, arguably the best talent in the country, and we're going to roll out uh, Cam Watu and Arabia Oots. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> I don't even know the two guys you named after that. So, I don't know. We're going to hope for maybe they'll be sure-handed in tough situations. They won't have any drops. Um, they'll be good run blockers. Um, as much as I can hope for for this situation, just don't mess up. That's the best advice I can get. I can get to them. Just don't mess up. Contribute in some kind of way. Be a good blocker. How many times do we watch? Golly, who's the guy that just terrible at blocking? All um, of them. I mean, all of them. Yeah. Even yeah. Latu is not a great blocker. He's skinny. He's right. more of a receiving tight end. I think he does okay, but. But the, I mean, if you're gonna be in the, on the field, that's gonna be huge. Just don't suck. Just do the bare minimum to get your job done. That's all we can ask for. But it's like, what is Brock? If if Alabama has a guy like Brock Bowers, I mean, if you're a defensive coordinator, imagine all the extra game planning you have to do now. I mean, if 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 you've got to you've got to worry about Bowers, you got to worry about Burton. You got to worry about Prentice. You got to worry about Holden. You got to worry about Bryce. You got to worry about Gibbs. I mean, not saying that you don't have to worry about a lot already, but just like you were talking about that mismatch factor that Alabama doesn't have now. And hopefully they get it back with a lot too, but I don't think he's a huge mismatch. I mean, he caught a bunch of touchdowns early last year. Then we just kind of just stopped going to him. But, you know, I mean, J-Law, I mean, the tight end situation – it's just really puzzling and it's really frustrating because this is such a complete team right now, except for that spot. And, you know, maybe left guard that we talked about earlier and the team's so good. And there's going to be a lot of people listening to this and be like, dude, you know, you're just being petty. And, and but this has been a problem for years. <laughs> I mean, this is not, you know, the first season that Alabama hasn't had a good tight end in a decade or so. I mean, this, this is a reoccurring theme and, um, you know, like I said, outside of Irv, outside of OJ, and they only utilize OJ one game out of his career. It's a big one, but uh, nonetheless, you know. So, Jello, what's your what's your take on the tight end situation? And you know, with Bob running a tight end every single play, like what are the chances, and 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 that he can just maybe go away from that? Well, how do you think Oots will fare until Latu gets back? J Law is muted, Hoss. Hold up, you're muted. Easy. Whoa, there we go. There we go. Dudley, man, oh, Dudley is back. No, it's, it's just saying that you know Bill O'Brien's going to use the tight end, so hopefully it's not more than one game. All you need to know about our tight end room is that we've we've turned an ex outside linebacker slash defensive end into a tight end. Listen, and it worked last year. It wasn't awful. 
Now the guy fumbled against Arkansas going in for a touchdown that almost put the game in jeopardy. He dropped a touchdown pass against Georgia. He wasn't the best for us last year, but listen, Jaleel Billings has screwed us. He'd still be here this year, screwed us again. And we haven't recruited the position well. I mean, we've had hell hinges, Miller Forrestal, the guys that, quite frankly, dude, they're not Brock Bowers. And there's not a lot of Travis Kelsey's out there. But those guys aren't it. And it's even worse without Cam Latu. And when we heard that Latu got hurt, like, we know we are, we knew there was no depth there, but we also know how bad it is behind it. None of these guys are receiving threats. Um, some people projected a Nod Black to play tight end, but he's not probably not big enough to do what this tight end, the offense wants him to do as a tight end. So I don't know what you do. I don't know. Listen, I mean, Sark and Kiffin, they would say, screw it. We're not running a tight end. We're going to run our best four wide receivers out there with Gibbs or whoever the running back is going to be, and we're going to throw the hell out of the football to our best players, not have a liability on the field because we want an extra blocker. And that was a big problem last year, so we couldn't block with five. So we had to have a tight end in the offense, which means Slade Bolden was one of our wide receivers. So we really had two passing threats on the field, and it's amazing what Bryce Young was able to do with two wide receivers, with every defense knowing that we can't block and we can't run. So if we can just figure out how to block with five, I mean, and and throw it to the running back out of the backfield a little bit, I would be surprised if we ran a lot more four wide with a back as opposed to a tight end this year if it's not really working or something does happen to Latu. But Latu, I think, can be a big part of the game plan against Texas. He's big, strong, and he can run, man. He ran away from some DBs a few times. Like, he can run. So if they can get him involved, it's great. But I don't like what's behind him. And it's, I think it's one of those things where if Latu can't go or something else happens to him, I think the offense doesn't completely change. Um, but Saban's going to say, dude, these guys can't get it done. And when Oots is on the field, they know we're running it. So let's just put our four best receivers out there and roll. Yeah, and I think protection-wise, I think your, your five as a whole will be better. Uh, than last year. I think Latham will hold his own at right tackle. Steen going to be nowhere close to Evan Neal, but I think he'll be fine. Um, you know, the left guard situation is fluid, like we talked about earlier. Center, um, Dalcourt, McLaughlin, James Brockermeyer, whoever. Uh, I think Dalcourt's by far your best talent. We've talked about this in earlier episodes, but McLaughlin might give you a better fit as far as communication. Um, we should just play McLaughlin on the road and then let Dalcourt play center at home in neutral sites. But uh, um, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, cornerback uh, rotation, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Terion Arnold, the redshirt freshman, another one that not a lot of people expected. You know, Eli Ritz coming in from LSU cannot get healthy. Um, he came in with a busted shoulder. He's got a hurt back now. He did not participate in the scrimmage on Saturday. Um Kyrie Jackson missed the first scrimmage, I believe, or it was either in a non-con jersey. Um, so he was running with the second team uh, with uh, Jaquez Robinson. And uh, so as far as the corners go, Lester, Terion Arnold, this is a, another guy that uh, I think it's between Florida and Bama and recruiting. Alabama got him from Florida. And, uh, and this is a guy that's, you know, been a quiet work in progress and, and quietly has, has really shot up. If he's getting starting reps, and it looks like he's going to be your guy week one. And, I mean, because, I mean, 
if if you get all the first team reps in the set in the last scrimmage that you have before the season, you kind of figure that's going to be your starting crew. I mean, wh- whatever position it is, that's why I'm basing all of these guys are starting based off of where they were in the scrimmage. I mean, Terion ran. If he didn't run 100% with the ones, I mean, my guess is probably 80, 85, 90%. Um, most of the time, he was there. So what do you think about this? Do you think Terion Arnold can can hold his own in the SEC, or do you, do you think maybe – because he came in as a safety, um, then they realized he could cover. So would you prefer Kyrie Jackson? I think, you know, once Ricks gets back, I think by the end of the season, I do think Ricks will be there. I think he's just too talented – and too good to to keep off of the field. But um, Lester, is this another situation where, you know, if Arnold is holding his own and he's being average to good and not doing making any bad plays, that he will keep his job out there and keep Ricks off the field. Absolutely. I don't I don't I don't know about keeping Ricks off the field if he gets healthy or you know can learn the defense and all that good stuff. But I would love to see, you know. What about him and Star? You know, get him, Kool Aid, and Ricks on the field at the same time. I mean, I don't know, but you know, more depth just isn't bad. And what's that? Ricks is only here for a year, so what? We got Terry on Arnold for possibly another year or two. So hey, more depth, more experience is not a bad thing. I like it. I like it. If he's balling out and Saban can trust him, I got to put my faith in the guy. Ricks has only played two years, right? Isn't he a junior? <sighs> think so. I can't remember. So if, if he's banged up, I mean, potential red shirt. I mean, you, you, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's that's there's a potential there. But what I'm saying is, it's not guaranteed that this is his last year, which is good because, you know, after this year, Kyrie Jackson's gone. Um, so you're definitely losing him. You're losing Branch. Um, Malachi's a junior. He started at the star position, and you know, the star is very tough. It, it really is because. As an outside cover corner, you've got the boundary to work with. And that's, you know, but if, when you're at the star spot and you're covering the slot receiver, it's very difficult because you got to have really good hips and you got to have really good instincts. And uh, because that guy can go left or right, you know, if you're, if you're a left cornerback and you've got the boundary to your right, well, the only place that receiver can go is, is, is left as far as, you know, a slant or whatever, unless you, trying to run a PCP or whatever, some double move action. But by that time, Will Anderson's eating the quarterback's ass up anyway, so it don't matter. Um, but Malachi being a star, Lester, I want you to talk about that as well. Um, kind of wrote him off, I guess you could say. Yeah. We all figured of- Brian Branch. I definitely figured Brian Branch would be sliding in at that star's position. Um, given the year that he had last year, Malachi – excuse me, Um, got tossed in the Texas A&M game, got banged up, didn't really see him at all towards the end of the year. Um, Yeah, go ahead. What do you think about Malachi at the star spot? Yeah, I mean, from a guy who came in, um, not on Minka's level, but a guy who came in, played a lot, you know, was doing great, had a lot of fan height. Then, you know, last year just kind of got banged up, and I don't know, we were asking where Malachi Moore was for – a long time there towards the end. And um, I don't know. Hopefully that guy can return to form because clearly he's very, very talented. But I'm not too sure about that guy if he's got a spot taken. 
Jalen, I'll talk about the corner spots. Um, you like Terry on there? Is that okay? I mean, would you rather see Kyrie Jackson? Kyrie did fine in the scrimmage. He didn't give up any big plays. Arnold actually got smoked by he got smoked by Holden once, and I think Prentice one time got him. Um, but they were more like crossing patterns and not necessarily deep balls. But um, tell tell me what you think about Terry on starting against Utah State. Uh, more than likely, and uh, would you rather see Kyrie? And you know, whenever Ritz comes back, how does that throw a wrinkle in your cornerback rotation? Man, when Ritz is ready, put him out there because I texted you guys this the other day. I think every touchdown Tennessee scored last year was a bust in the secondary. Whether it was a leverage play, whether it was a running right by you play, Texas A and M, three of their six touchdowns in the game. We're just buzzed with the safeties, corners, not covering somebody. And you can't put a guy up there like Terry on Arnold who spent all year last year playing safety. You, it, I mean, you, it's like moving somebody from guard that's a guard to playing tackle. Like, it just doesn't work. And I don't think – like, I'm not saying you can never do it, but there is nobody in college football better at getting his dudes to football – than Steve Sarkeesian. And if you want to go into a game like Texas, I'm not saying make it close, but if you want to open a window for an offensive guru like Lane Kiffin or like Steve Sarkeesian or somebody like that to get some freebies on your defense, put a guy like Terry on Arnold who has no experience, who has played multiple positions from DB, whether strong safety, free safety, he's kind of been in a couple places, put him in a spot where he's not, not number one, not familiar, number two, not comfortable, and watch what happens. So I just think when Kyrie's back, it's his to lose right now. Um, and then Eli Ricks is going to be good enough to where I think he just has so much talent that when he gets his feet back underneath and when he is 100% healthy, it's going to be very hard to keep him off the field. I just don't see a guy like Terry on Arnold being able to play at the level, especially this year, that you're going to be able to get from a healthy Kyrie and especially a healthy Eli Riggs when it's when they're ready to go. Yeah, and you know a lot of people were talking a couple of weeks ago. You you heard the rumor that Ricks was struggling learning the defense. Dude, he's a cornerback. You play man to man eighty percent of the time. It's very rare, even at the college level, that an outside corner is not man to man like from the start. And uh, and, and so and there's there's no different in, in Nick Saban's defense. So. I don't understand how you cannot understand the defense. Just let the dude go play man. He was like the highest graded corner in the country. It's a true freshman, a man-to-man defense. Like that's what he does. That's why you got him to come to Alabama. You didn't come to to have him sit in the flats on the cover two and go lay a big hit on somebody. This guy is a lengthy six foot three man-to-man cover corner. That's what he needs to be doing. Um, but once again, I, I don't see him. I don't see him slotting in. I really don't. It's just, and that's because Saban just doesn't make changes. Once the season starts, he usually just doesn't make changes. And I think now, granted, I think you're right, J Law. You hit on something. If you do go to Texas and Terry on Arnold's getting smoked up and down the field, I think you do see a change. But I think it's Kyrie Jackson before Eli Ricks, um, depending on his health or whatever. But Kyrie is back. He was 100% go in the scrimmage on Saturday and still ran with the second team 85, 90% of the time. So looks like Terry is going to start uh, week one against Utah state. So we'll find out what he's really made of 
Because, like you said, if there's a spot in Alabama's defense in their secondary where you're going to go, it's going to be Terry on Arnold. I mean, Kool-Aid's got enough experience to to maybe not test him as much. If you have to pick which one you're going to test, it's going to be Terry on Arnold. So we'll definitely, you know, see if Sark gets some Xavier worthy matchups on him and tries to create some some double moves. Um, and big play opportunities for him on Terion, but you know time will tell in that regard. Um, you know, moving on defensive line, you're, you've got you got your guys there, Byron Young, um, Jaheim Otis is going to slide in as a freshman. Um, he got a lot of playing time with the ones on Saturday. DJ Dale's your senior in the, in the middle. Um, who else? Who's that? Hang on, Young. Oh, Tim Smith got some playing time there with the ones. Uh, your main one, Smith, Young, Dale, and Otis. I think that's going to be your four rotating in at those two interior defensive line spots in that four-two-five that Alabama plays now because you're you know you're you're playing um, against the spread, so you're rarely in the three-four. You're in a four-two-five, but your two ends are Dallas Turner and Will Anderson, of course. So your two interior guys, um, Tim Smith, Byron Young, Jaheim Otis, and uh, and DJ Dale, maybe Jamil. Burroughs will come in on passing situations. Uh, you look for Chris Braswell and dime situations uh, for another guy to pass rush. There's a lot of stuff you can do with this defensive line. Um, but, uh, guys, is there anything else you wanted to touch on as far as Alabama's depth chart as we think it's going to look like right now and any more scrimmage notes that you saw on the message boards um, before we move on? Not really, but I think I think that this team is shaping up, especially with all the guys that you um listed for the defense line to be actually a really too deep team. You can rotate guys in uh, if somebody goes down, they can be replaced. And that's that's gonna be really important this year, I feel like. Yeah, I think it is. And it's it's so hard with the no huddle. You know, if the offense doesn't sub, you can't sub. So because I think you have guys that play better in certain situations, like of course Jaheim Otis it's not going to be on the field on a third and nine. He, he, he can't – he's like Jordan Davis. You know, Jordan Davis was a force against the run because he's plugging two gaps no matter where he is. You can't move him. And Jaheim Otis is getting a lot of the same comps. But when you have to get depth and you have to, you know, collapse the pocket, he's not able to do that just because he's just not fast enough. And uh, it takes him a while to get that big body moving. He's more of a plug guy, uh, you know, a lot like Terrence Cody was for Alabama. He's not a Quentin Williams, Jonathan Allen type. Um, so it's going to be harder to get him in there on certain situations. You know, hopefully if you have a, a a second one or second two and they sub somebody in there, maybe you can get him in to try to stop a run. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, time will tell on that and see how they're going to play that. Um you know, linebackers looks like it's going to be Jalen Moody and um, Henry T starting. Deontay Lawson showing a lot of promise there, backing up Jalen Moody. I think he's the first one up if Henry or Jalen go down. Uh, but Moody, I mean, this guy, I'm high on him this year. I really am. Uh, I think he's got terrific instincts. I remember when um, the Christian Harris they got hurt against Arkansas in 2020. I believe, yeah, national championship year. Um, and Moody came in. I think he, like, led the team in tackles. I mean, he was all over the place. Uh, so, I think Moody's got incredible instincts, and he's got good ball skills, and he's got good awareness for for a middle linebacker. I think he'll be fine. Um, <clears throat> but uh, 
guys, moving over to the Plains, um, a team that we haven't talked about in a while, the Auburn Tigers, you know, they've gone through two scrimmages as well. They scrimmaged on Friday uh, last week. And, um, it, you know, all signs are pointing to T.J. Finley being the starting quarterback for the Auburn Tigers. Now, this is uh, a shock to just about everybody. Um, every, I guess everybody expected Zach Calzada to come in, transfer from Texas A&M. And because he beat Alabama, just be go ahead and give him the starting position. But uh, Lester, what do you think of this quarterback situation? Because not only is Zach Calzada not a close two, he's a distant three. You've got Robbie Ashford, who is a Hoover High School product, committed to Oregon. He was there for a year. Then he transferred back to Auburn. They kind of did a quarterback swap with Bo Nix and Robbie Ashford. And, uh, and and he is a strong second string right now. And they're talking about how they can get packages to get him in the game and use his legs. He's a better runner than he is thrower, but they're saying he's impressive, impressing with his arm as well at practice there on the plane. So, Lester, what do you make of uh, T.J. Finley leading the Auburn Tigers out of the tunnel against Mercer week one? Uh, I, I think it's just something else that's just going to further divide that fan base into pieces um, between half one and Calzada because, like you said, he beat Alabama at Texas A&M last year, and, you know, that's all some people care about in their mind. But T.J. Finley, hey, year two under, you know, under Harson's offense, well, maybe not his offense because they've changed the OCs, I think. For some reason or another, I can't remember. But, um, but yeah, year two. I mean, surely you would have thought the guy would get better and progress. You know, Calzada having to come in, um, learn an entirely different system and stuff like that. You know, yeah, Finley, who's there, like I said, year two, already has a, rep, a you know, rapport with the guys on the team. And maybe he just is that better, is the better quarterback. I mean, how many times have we seen these quarterbacks beat Alabama and they are the most average guys for the rest of their career. It happens. I don't think Calzada beating Alabama was because he's just the greatest guy or the, you know, a top two quarterback for SEC. I mean, it happens. It happens. And none of us can explain it. We don't know why these guys turned into Superman that Saturday when Alabama, you know, pops up on the schedule, but it happens. And, you know, shame on the Auburn faithful for putting their faith all in that guy just because he beat Alabama. Yeah, that's one thing that, you know, he Calzada threw nine picks last year. He he had the one great game, but J-Law alluded earlier to this. Alabama just made it easy for him. You know, we kept busting coverage. His guys were wide open. I mean, it's not that hard to, to hit a guy that's wide open. Now, he did make some throws that were uncharacteristic for him, but uh, this is a, an average quarterback, and coming in, they thought that he was a superstar, and he's not, and they're they're finding that out. And um, another thing, J-Law, you're going from worst players around – you're going two – I'm sorry. You're going two worst players around you than you had at Texas A&M. You had Arians. You had Weidermeyer. You had the Spiller, the running back they had that was really good. Um, so you've got all this talent around you to help you out, and now you go to Auburn. You know, you lost your best receiver in Kobe, Kobe Hudson – got guys like Camden Brown and Landon King and Javarius Johnson. I mean, you know, you got tanky running back, sure, but I think the offensive line's worse, so you got less time to make decisions. 
it's not easy. You're going to a worse team than you were at where and the the good team you were on still 8 and 4, but you struggled. You had an average year. You threw 17 touchdowns, 9 picks. And now you go to a worse situation and they expect him to come in and just take over the starting job. Yeah, and I when Zap, when Calzada transferred, I, we were all thinking it doesn't really make any sense. I mean, the only the only thing that you could think of, sorry, baby's crying, is that maybe he just knows he's not going to be the quarterback at Texas A&M, so he's going somewhere Auburn better. Uh, he's not like you said. He's not even. He's not second. He's not a close second. He's he is very far down the depth chart. And if you're an Auburn fan, if you're an Auburn fan. You watched T.J. Finley last year. I mean, the, the guy's bad, very bad. I mean, he can't beat South Carolina. I mean, they they finished – did they lose six in a row, five in a row? Yes. They lost five or six in a row, whatever it was. And now you roll into a year where you go to Alabama, to Georgia. You have a daunting schedule. There aren't any chalk-up dubs. I, I mean, as far as the conference is concerned for Auburn. I mean, this is not – to 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 me, Auburn at the end of the year was looking for any glimmer of hope, and their hope was, hey, we took an SEC starting quarterback from one of our rivals. But the guy's not good, dude. Texas A&M is all in on, I guess, what Max Johnson now is like the guy that that they're rolling out there, or Haynes King. Um, the guy had one. Calzada had one really good game, and they went eight and four last year. I mean, like they that they were not a great team. It's embarrassing that Alabama lost to them. But then Zach Calzada, in no way, in my mind, the start was going to make Auburn a better team. And now you're thinking T.J. Finley, Scooter Boy, at the absolute, at the absolute best, is your quarterback, followed by a guy who is a baseball first guy, by the way, Robbie Ashford, baseball first, transfers from Oregon, couldn't start at Oregon, and they were not good last year. I mean, then like Oregon was top of the Pac-12 last year, so. Um, it, it isn't good, but this is kind of this is kind of what you get when you run off probably the best coach that you've had in 25 years. You literally ran him off, and if those two teams played in two weeks, Gus Malzahn would probably, pro- I want to say probably win that game by three tutties. So I'm just saying, like John Rice Plumley is better than the guy that's going to be starting at Auburn this year, and they're probably better in a lot of other spots too. Yeah, UCS rejected to go like 10 and 2, 11 and 1, something like that. But, um, Jaylon, let me stay with you real quick. The lack of, I guess, public punishment is it just me or is, is running from the cops not that big a deal if you turn yourself in? Does that just like wipe the slate clean? Like, if you, if you, if you commit a crime and you go turn yourself in, are they like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. I mean, like, is this dude ran from the car? Obviously, he had some weed on him or something because you're 6'6, 250 pounds. Auburn PD knows who you are. They, they know, oh, look, there's TJ Finley. And that's why they didn't like pursue him. You know, he did his little, like, there's a video of it. He just makes, he just like whips around a car and then like, and they're like, all right, whatever. I mean, like, we'll just go to his apartment. Like, we know, or we'll just go to the athletic building. We know who it is. And so he goes and turns himself in and like, you know, I'm sure he had to run some stadium steps. I'm sure he had to do some extra push-ups or whatever, maybe, but 
I mean, I'm sure Harson was doing the push-ups with him because, I mean, the guy's rocked up in his little sleeveless hoodie. But uh, I this there's this guy's not going to miss any time. And it was, what, three weeks ago, a month ago? I mean, this is at the beginning of fall camp. This this happened. And, you know, the next day they released like a – or the, the couple of days later they released like the Top Gun thing, their, their little gimmick thing that they did when they all did the – you know, great great actors, but terrible football players and coaches. But I mean, what what's going on here? Do you think Harson is either? I think he's either. I've got to win at all costs, and goodness, it's got to be T.J. Finley. So, or it's I'm getting 15 million after they fire me at the end of the year. So I really don't care. Which one is it? I think both. I think that he like these coaches have pride. They want to win. And Ashford's not the guy. Calzada's not the guy. And TJ Finley, it doesn't if TJ Finley's giving you the best chance to win, come I in, guys. <laughs> I mean, it's comical, dude. That TJ Finley's giving you the best chance to win. Um, no, listen, I think it got him with attempting to elude misdemeanor. Got to if he had something, he got rid of it. Um, but yeah, I just think that's that's not that's something that you'd expect from like your super rowdy outside linebacker that loves to get sacks, like a Tim Williams type of guy, Brandon Chicken type of guy. Like, yeah, I'm I'm a disruptor, but from your starting quarterback, you would like to have no Baker Mayfield nonsense, no getting in a bar fight, none of that stuff. So I think for Auburn, that's a little bit concerning that that's the that's your starting QB. Like no Mac Jones DUIs, you know, none of that type of stuff. Especially going into a year where it's already shaky. You don't have anybody to throw to. You have zero talent on your offensive line. They didn't like Alabama's offensive line where you were – like they were underwhelming last year. Like there was talent there. You recruited these guys. Number one offensive tackle coming out of high school, can't even get on the field. Chris Owens gets cut by the Steelers. Like there were some guys that you thought might have talent. They just didn't live up to it. Auburn has nine. They have nothing at receiver. They have one guy in Tank Bigsby who people told us you can't tackle in a phone booth. And then Chase sent me like 17 videos of the Iron Bowl in a row, of Tank Bigsby getting tackled in a phone booth. So, I mean, like you have – that's it. That's all you got. And T.J. Finley and no receivers. You have a below-average defense, in my opinion, a middle-of-the-pack SEC defense, I think. Your defensive coordinator leaves to go take a Big 12 job. I mean, guys – Listen, this – I'm really starting to think that there's some optimists – the Auburn optimists right now, guys, are saying this team can go eight and four. That's your optimist. There's like the, the middle of the line guys are saying six and six. Some people are talking up a five and seven. They're not getting to nine. Do y'all tell me what you want me to do if Auburn gets to nine regular season wins this year? Oh, my gosh. I'll, I'll... – do whatever I mean, whatever, whatever bet you want to make, I'll take it on Auburn not winning nine games. I mean, I still think though they find a way to win seven. Uh, you know, just I, I I don't know. I mean, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Miss State, uh, they get Missouri, you know, LSU that game five. You really, you know, Jaden Daniels coming to LSU from uh Arizona State, he was named the starter. So, you know, they they I LSU's, I think, is my biggest question mark in the SEC uh, this year. How is Brian Kelly? You know, he's suspending guys. John Emery suspended the five-star running back. Um, got a transfer quarterback coming in. No depth at all. Um, but they're starting 22 is good. 
Um, so they got to go on the road to Jordan Hare, and Auburn's more than likely going to be four and zero when when that game happens. I don't think Penn State comes into Jordan Hare and beats them. I don't. Um, I think Penn State's like a four point favorite week one versus Purdue. Uh, I don't think Penn State is is a top notch Big Ten team like they have been in the past. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking. I think seven wins for Auburn. Uh, I definitely don't see nine. But yeah, should be a uh, uh, an interesting year for them, and it's going to be interesting to see if their recruiting doesn't pick up. You know what they do with Harson, and if they do a little two year experiment and then feed him, you know, pay him out, buy him out, and uh, they're having to pay another coach on top of Gus, and um, and and so and then you know try to start start with a new slate. But, uh, Lester, you wanted to talk about the uh, Nick Saban extension. Personally, I didn't even look at it because this is something that Alabama does every two or three years. So it's not news to me because, you know, you got to keep the – they're, they're going to keep his contract – you know, his his con, his contracts over five, six years just for recruiting purposes. But, uh, Lester, what were the details of that contract? How long has he signed through? Give us an update on, on the Nick Saban um, yeah, extension in Alabama. Yeah, I believe it was uh, eight years, $93.8 million. Um, so, yeah, the best coach in you know football. He's going to be the highest paid coach in football, rightfully so, um, in college football. Um, so, yeah, like it's, like you were going into, it's just good. You know, of course, you're going to have all those negative recruiters out there. You know, they're always going to bring up Saban, retiring, yada, yada, yada. And I think that this con- – I think he will fulfill to the end of this contract. Um, Whoa. Yeah. He'll be Whoa. seven, eight. Hold up. By, by the end of the contract? Yeah. Okay. A little hot take there. A little hot take. I've always said 75, uh, and I'm still solid on that. 70 – you said 78? It'll be 78 at the end of it. Woo. 78, Lester. You sure about that? Yes. And I saw an interesting thread on the message board today. The last two seasons, Alabama has the home and home with West Virginia. So that last season will be his, like, go by Uh, year. So you think there's going to be some incentive? His farewell year, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I, I do think... You know, bar you know health and all that stuff. I mean, he he looks great still in great health, so I think he'll still do it. Yeah, there's no question about his health. Uh, um, I think he's in top shape for a 70 year old man, but you know, it's just you just never know. And it seems like it happens so fast. I mean, we've had grandparents and great grandparents that we've watched pass away, and it's just it happens. Seems like it happens so fast. Not saying that's going to happen anytime soon. I hope it doesn't. But seventy eight, you know, and, and you know, we were talking about this on the on the group text with Drew today. Like, not that he's just seventy, but this what he goes through day in and day out as a seventy year old is is just ridiculous. I mean, you've got. The NCAA or the you got college football coming up with new rules every single year that are changing the game. You got offenses that are changing the game. You know, hurry up, no huddle, spread offenses, RPOs. Um, you know, the lineman blocking downfield, um, the pass interference rule. I mean, all, all kind of stuff. 
that are that are changing year in and year out. And then with the NIL, this is com- something completely different. And he just keeps rolling with it and rolling with it and rolling with it. And he says that that's a challenge that he loves, and that's what keeps him going. But you know, at what point is it going to come too much? J Law, what do you think? Do you think he gets to twenty twenty nine? That's a little hefty. That's crazy to think no, no. that this guy could coach for another seven years. I think that he could win this next one and ride out. I, I just think that, you know, so he's going to get more money with this one year signed extension. I think his pay goes up by like a million dollars a year. And I can see Stephen going on. Like, I, I really think that this is. Even though Alabama just went like 15 and 0, whatever in 2020, I think this is their best chance to go 15 and 0. So they haven't been what they go 15 and 0 and fifth with Jay Coker's year undefeated. They haven't been 15 and 0 since on a COVID year, but it's their best chance to go 15 and 0. You lose everything after this year if you're good enough. I think Saber could win this one and ride out. I know he just signed an extension on a big day, but I think he could win this one with Bryce and Will. And the first, this is the first time I feel like he could win it and go out. It wasn't last year. It wasn't the 2020 year. I just think it was 70 and dealing with 16-hour work days and the grind and everybody's doing everything they can to make sure that people can keep up with the rules every day. I just think if Saban wins, this, this would be, be his eighth. He's won seven. He's got six at Bama. One at LSU. Dude, if he wins his eighth title, I, I could see him hanging it up. Yeah, and and it's I don't know I I don't I don't know it's really tough to say because you listen to him talk and I think that's real genuine about him just saying look I've got nothing else to do I'm not gonna sit around the house um, you know he loves to play golf but you know that only takes up three and a half hours a day I bet he just sprints whenever he plays golf trying to get it done he's definitely not a type that goes out there and stays on the course for five five and a half hours but um. I just I don't I don't know if he was to win one this year. Alabama hasn't gone fifteen and zero, right? Mm, no, it's twenty fifteen. Ole Miss beat us. That's right. We lost in we lost in fifteen. Cooper Bateman game. Yeah, we've never gone 0, 15 thirteen and zero in twenty twenty. Yes, yeah, and then thirteen and zero and or fourteen and zero in two thousand nine. That's his only two undefeated seasons. So, yeah, even if he goes fifteen and zero, I mean. I do think that whenever he loses, I just think the the fuel he just refuels like in the offseason. And I think this national championship loss has just refueled him because I swear, and John and Barry talk about this on sports radio 740 sometimes. But when that dude shows up, it seems like by the end of every season, he looks like he's aged 10 years over 14, 15 games. But then you don't see him for a while. And you see him in the spring, and he goes, okay, but it seems like by the time he shows up to media days, he goes and gets his Botox done and his and his hair color and maybe some plugs or whatever, get some filler, and he just looks five years younger than he did the year before. Go back and watch that dude's press conference in media days, looking how good he looked. And then, you know, by the time we get to the Iron Bowl, he'll look 80. And then by the time we roll around to next year's media days, he'll look 60. It's crazy. So I think, but I do think that losing really fuels fuels this tank and really refills him, let makes him recharge the batteries and really get geared up. Um, because you know, whenever you do lose, you have something to coach with now. 
I mean, it's really tough whenever you win and win and win. Your motivation factor goes down. What are you going to say to them? Of course, you can fix mistakes, but, you know, you don't have any motivation. Players say that, you know, we don't let last year's loss fuel anything. Dude, bullshit. That's a lie. You know, whenever Texas A&M rolls into town, that game's going to be personal. It's going to be personal for Saban. It's going to be personal for the players. Not saying that Saban's going to run the score up on him because I still don't think he will. But for the players, it's going to be personal because they attacked your coach and they beat you last year and they rubbed it in your face. You know, same thing with Georgia. Um, you know, they they took a they took a natty ring off your finger. So I don't know. 78, though. I think that's a little stout. I'm gonna stay with my 75. And I think in those 70 in the next what five years, I think you win two, two natties minimum, and that'll have him finishing with nine. But hell, if he gets to nine. You got to think he's won double digits. And if he does get to double digits, that's something that'll never be taught. Now, once he retires, I think that Kirby's going to take over the college football world. He's doing it just like Saban. Saban's already kept him from two natties already in 2017 and 2018. Um, so I think that if, if, you know, whenever he, he retires, Kirby's going to take over. But I don't think if Saban hangs around long enough to get to 10 natties, Kirby's never going to pass him. Lester, how much have you given to high tide traditions this week? Ah, uh, this week, nothing. <laughs> they got me for the year, though, so I'm good until next year. Uh, I thought you were going to do like multiple emails. You need like no, 10 emails. No, 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 no. No beer or cigarettes yeah. this weekend for you, Lester. No, you donate. That's no beer or cigarettes. If you haven't already donated, oh, good point. Good point. I mean, if you, if, listen, if, if you've done the $15 one, you can do whatever you want to do. Like <laughs> the, ten, the $10 one, you might need to open up another $10 account. Yeah. I'm glad Chase upgraded this week. He did, he got up to the 280 a year. Yeah, I, I did upgrade. I felt, you know, I felt like a, the, the university was calling me. You know, mama called, she, she was wanting some more cash. So, yeah. Yeah, I donated. Did y'all um, get the swag though? Did you get your license no, plate? No, 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 not yet. And I oh. need it. I need. I need a new hat. But, uh, Lester, did you pay in full? Yeah, pay for the okay, year. Okay, so do you get the stuff after like the first full year, or they? Because I feel like there's a bunch of little kind of gumpy fans out there that did like the one time thing, and they're trying to get the hat and the license plate, and then they cancel their card. So I think they're gonna wait till the full two eighty comes in before you get your hat. If you can upgrade, I may do that because I want the hat too. I think the hat's gonna be kind of dope. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you got multiple email addresses. I do, I do. So just go ahead and watch that one twenty, and go ahead and just do another one. It's fine. Hey, that's a good idea. We but... can all wear, we can all wear our hats to the games, and maybe we'll get on the jumbotron. <laughs> Walking, walking, high tide tradition advertisement. I like it. <laughs> All right, boys. Anything else you want to talk about before we before we head out? We uh, is it not? Is it? Hang on, twelve days. What is it? Eleven. I haven't seen something like that. Is yeah. it twelve from tomorrow? By the uh, today's Tuesday. By the time we release this, it'll be one less. Exciting, man. About time. Utah's going to catch an ass whooping. 
Utah State. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it, isn't it isn't it fun to think? It doesn't really matter if it's Utah or Utah State. Probably be about the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. I mean, well, all right, boys. We'll uh, we'll slide on out of here. Um, we're working on a special guest. I don't. I'm not going to drop any names. Um, might get him, might not. We have to talk about it as a group to decide. Um, next week if that's what uh if that's what we're going to try to do or not. But um, until then, just plan on us three being back here. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Uh, Episode 66, Gunpunters Podcast, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. We're out.